This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, things are heating up and this is already our third episode in June. Dune Talk, it's official show of DuneNewsNet.com where we cover everything Dune, including breaking news and reviews on the movies, sisterhood TV show, games, comics, and of course the books. Today we have another Dune Part 2 casting announcement to react to, plus some interesting reports about another potential shooting location for the movie. And there has been a major update to that Dune video game that several of our team members have been uh, enjoying. This is Marcus speaking, and after last week's special interview episode, today I'm joined by the rest of the Dune Talk crew. Hey guys, good to see everyone again. Uh, good to be with the crew today. This is Garen. Um, I've been playing a lot of Spice Wars. I'm just going to admit it right here and now. Probably too much, but I'm really liking it. So good to be back. Yes, uh, Johnny Sobchuk here again. Excited to get into this episode because there's been some pretty significant news and I'm excited to hear everyone's thoughts. And uh, yeah, let's just get right to it. Uh, Simon Dowdy here. Like Johnny said, some exciting news and kind of piggybacks uh, off our last time we all talked. Great, so we're gonna get into that, but first it's time for some movie news. Dune movie news. So it was just uh, last month where we covered a confirmation that Christopher Walken will play Emperor Shaddam IV. However, fortunately, uh, casting calls are still, still ongoing. So on June 21st, uh, Deadline broke the news that Leah Seydoux is uh, in negotiations to join the cast in the role of Lady Margot Fenring. Uh, the report presents this pretty much as a done deal, although it, it hasn't been officially confirmed, right? She's in negotiations for the role and uh, Legendary hasn't made a statement. Um, the actress, she's basically coming off um, yeah, really positive critical reception uh, for um, her lead roles in Crimes of the Future and One Fine Morning. So both of these premiered uh, recently at the Cannes uh, Film Festival. Uh, Simon, when, when we were talking the other day, like on Discord, when this news dropped and uh, yeah, you were really excited about the news. You mentioned that she's one of your favorite uh, actresses. So what do you think we can expect from her in this role specifically? So um, it's funny because last episode that we were talking, like I said, we were talking about if these characters would show up and surprise, they are. It's not official, but INDB has her. I think she's an amazing actress. The first time I really got to know her was in a movie called Blue is the Warmest Color. It's not for everyone, but if you want to see a performance that will break your heart in low pieces and still leave you numb, I guess... Well, crap, maybe six years later, I had to do some math when I saw it. Uh, it's one of those performances that I've only seen it once, but sticks in my head. I know she's in the Bond movies. I vaguely remember her, but I'm not a big Bond guy. She was in the French Dispatch, and she was kind of funny and kind of mysterious in that movie. What I love about her, very much like Pew, is we're going to get two actresses that can go from here to down here, and just show a range of performance. So, and you know, she's French. So, <laughs> you know, my French DNA is like, yes, another French actor in Dune. Um, I mean, it's great because the European market will totally eat her up and being like, hey, look, we got someone that's not an American actress playing kind of a crucial role, especially, you know, if I know Garen's a big fan of the Faye character and there's a connection with her and Faye Rafa majorly so i'm excited once again casting is just amazing now who's going to play her husband <laughs> what else are we going to get i mean production starts in less than a month by the time this shows out so 
good sense all around. Uh, yeah, this was a shocker. <laughs> I saw the, the notification pop up, Justin Kroll, who uh, did the story. I saw he was like, oh, I got, got one coming. I was like, hmm. I was like, it was just the end of a, a long like holiday weekend. So I figured it'd be something pretty big. I did not expect Dune 2 to be a factor. And I was very pleasantly surprised, of course, because I think why I was so in such a lull uh, and complacent about that was because we thought they were pretty much done. Like we weren't really expecting any other major casting at least to come out maybe before filming would start and uh and then as you were kind of mentioning we were under the expectation that maybe the Fenrings wouldn't necessarily be like much of a factor if they were a factor at all in in part two and so when I saw her name pop up I was like hold up who who is this and then I, right after that of course saw it was uh, Lady Margot and I was like wow this is this is huge for two reasons because we have Lady Seydoux who like Simon I really admire as a performer and I think first time I ever saw her was in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is one of my favorite blockbusters and action movies ever. And she does, she plays a really badass like kind of agent in that movie. So she has that kind of physicality. And then of course, as you were also mentioning, I've seen her in No Time to Die, French Dispatch and Crimes of the Future most recently. And yeah, she, it's funny. I saw a few different comments or tweets yesterday just saying that if there was anyone, any woman or any, any actor I could see just truly being like a Bene Gesserit like in the real world that you would see Leia Seydoux and think that she just her eyes and just the way she controls her face and her emotions and in the performances I've seen from her you totally buy it and and yeah it is a good addition to Florence Pugh as well who Irulan has some sort of Bene Gesserit kind of training and, and qualities as well so they do really have their casting down to a T right now and again the, the second part of this that was so exciting is the realization that okay, Lady Margot's in this, Count Fennering has to be in this, right? I mean, logically. And so that opens a whole nother door. Now we have the expectation that we're waiting for the next shoe to drop of that casting choice. And I, I think that this could go any number of ways, similar to the Emperor. I mean, we all kind of had an idea of what they might try to do. And they went with Christopher Walken, which no one saw coming. So I think the same thing is probably going to happen with Count Fenring. I did a tweet yesterday that just had a few random ideas that I threw out there just with like names that kind of came to mind that I could see them kind of gunning for if they're trying for like a bigger name. Um, and so, in which in every case so far, they have gone for a bigger name, it seems like, especially for part two, um, trying to keep that momentum and that that uh, appeal to the wider audiences. So I have no idea. It's going to be really fun waiting to see. And maybe we won't hear until production starts next month. Maybe we won't find out until even later than that. But this is a really positive step, I think, uh, for where part two is going to go storytelling wise. And also just with the, the cast as a whole, they're really rounding it out uh, pretty phenomenally. So I am uh, really excited by that and excited to hear more. Um, and also, I, I mentioned this yesterday as well, uh, Aaliyah. <laughs> Like we still, this is a, a pivotal figure in the Dune saga, and we still don't really know how they're going to tackle this character. If it is going to involve casting like a child actor, is it going to be a child actor that is like a toddler? Is it going to be a older, maybe aged up child for this role? Or is it going to be some sort of CG visual effects involved? Like we really don't know. So that is exciting as well. So we have at least one or two other major characters that we have to see come to, to life in some way or fashion. And, and with Count Fenring in particular, I think Leia Sidhu's casting is interesting because 
they can still go in so many different directions with Count Fennering as far as age, ethnicity, uh, like build and all these sorts of things. I could see like a small older guy as her husband. I could also see like Tom Hardy as her husband potentially as Count Fennering. Like that's just like the disparity there. So I think that's going to be really interesting and, and uh, something to keep an eye on. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that sooner than later. You know, they're going to announce it as soon as we hit publish on this episode. <laughs> just recently saw the, the latest Bond movie, No Time to Die. And I, I really thought Leia Sedu really did a great job. Just really liked her presence, really liked her performance um, as Bond's uh, supposedly last love interest. I thought she did a great job. Um, I guess one thought I had about her as, as uh, Lady Fenring is... I know early on someone had tweeted, I don't know if it was one of our team here, that uh, Count Fenring uh, could be Jeff Goldblum, but I just cannot see uh, Leia Sidhu with uh, Jeff Goldblum at her side. That just doesn't uh, work in my mind. So, well, Garen, you got to understand that Jeff can play <laughs> many right. roles. You make your point. All right. I get it. I get it. You know, but I'm just saying I can't, I can't picture it. So, um, I, I always I like picture him kind of stuttering. And that's why Goldblum is like perfect for it. I know. Aaron, I am, I'm 100% in your corner on this. I can't <laughs> see it. And I can't, like Jeff Goldblum just doesn't have, for, I guess if people listening probably know who Count Fettering is because he's, he's in the first book. But like the background essentially is that he is this kind of, he was almost the chosen one, potentially. He was part of the Bene Gesserit uh, eugenics, essentially, um, trying to create the, the Kwisatz Haderach. And and so I feel like there has to be some sort of, you could see that he could have been it. Like you could see almost maybe similarities between him and Chalamet physically, or maybe Austin Butler physically. Um, I know the description of him doesn't really sound like too flattering in the book from what I remember. Um, so like maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be the most handsome guy. That's why he said, even if they went older and Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, he doesn't, he's not old or decrepit by any means, but he is an older guy at this point. Um, I still feel like someone like, a Willem Dafoe like I could see you could believe that at one point he was a handsome kind of suave dangerous person he still is dangerous Count Fenring at this point but I feel like maybe just because they're trying to I mean Leia Sidhu again kind of tips the feeling that maybe and let's face it they've gone for hot casting at every turn with Dune Dune part one and Dune part two um, I just don't know. Christopher Walken is still, he's a handsome guy at, at, in his seventies. So I feel like they're probably going to go with someone that's a little more conventionally handsome, or maybe just on the younger side compared to someone older. That's more of like a contrast, maybe something a little bit more fitting where you could see why she would go be with him. Maybe. Yeah. When you tweeted Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Johnny, I, I kept picturing that in my mind and it worked for me. Um, like those, those scenes and those imagery, the imagery, you know, uh, on the, the Harkonnen planet. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> hanging out there. And then the Aaliyah thing, you guys were gonna have to we're gonna have to dedicate a whole episode to the Aaliyah issue because it's 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 a serious issue. <laughs> it's the then in part two that I keep thinking about like how are you gonna do this, Denis? Like how are you gonna create Aaliyah? Like are you just gonna have her kind of already born and then we're gonna have like a little bit of like Five years later, and we see like a five-year-old. And I just want to emphasize that just the fact that uh, Lady Margot is indeed part of uh, this movie makes me happy because that adds further confidence regarding the you know second half of the adaptation, how faithful it's going to be. 
Um, and as we've been saying, this, this is basically, this is confirmation that we're going to be hearing soon a casting announcement uh, for Khan Fenring. Um, and why is that important? I mean, the, these two characters, they only appear for a few scenes in, in the book, uh, but that's, for example, including the arena scene that we discussed previously, where they interact with, with Fade and, and the Baron. And it's a scene that we expect to be in the movie based on what we've seen, heard previously. Uh, I, I do see them as, as key characters. Um, just thinking about the first movie, yes, there, there were elements that, that were cut out. Like, you know, we, we never saw the Eric King dinner. Uh, there were a lot of scenes with Yui in the book that would have, I think, added a lot to his character that, that weren't in the movie. But as a longtime book reader, like I can still imagine those scenes having happened with those actors and within the context of the movie. And like, I feel differently for the, for the Fenrings. Like, I think like if they were not present in, in the arena scene or like in, in those final scenes, like I, I personally definitely feel that something would have, would have been missing and that you're going potentially further from the source material. Although I do, I do understand that sometimes, uh, you know, like when doing an adaptation, things have to be cut. But yeah, I'm really happy to see that uh, these characters will be in the movie. And they like, even though they're they're not like, you know, like major characters in in the first first book, they do play a a key role in the in the lore and in the in the other uh, other books uh, outside of that. When I heard the news, I was like, "This is awesome!" Like Denis is really sticking to the book and mm -hmm. creating the bigger Dune world. You know, my second thought was like, oh, another character that wasn't in the David Lynch movie. That's cool. <laughs> so it is crucial because also she is important because she has some dialogue with Jessica early on in the first half of the book. You know, she talks to Jessica about maybe there's someone behind the scenes trying to, you know, attack them. And I'm okay with that not being in there. Like the dinner scene exists in my head, like canon, it's in there. But maybe one day we'll see it. Maybe one day we won't. But it's just great that Denise already introducing characters that's going to be important in a couple other books. And, you know, it's getting those wheels moving. So like that, if they do go on past Messiah, we can be like, hey, remember this character? Well, they showed up in part two because of this and that. So I think it's great. Another quick thing that just pops into my head that I'm excited about with regards to these characters being in it is that technically, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys know Dune way better than I do, but technically this is introducing kind of another house, correct? As far as culture and, and design and fashion, that sense, and, you know, just seeing them on screen and, you know, thinking about costumes or the way their hair and makeup can be done, things like that. And whoever Count Fennering is going to be, of course. I think I'm just excited to see that included as well. Just as, as Simon said, kind of fleshing things out in the world of Dune more, um, you know, seeing Fenring alongside the Baron and Fade and then alongside the Carinos. I think that's just going to be a nice element that just brings in just a little bit more flavor and, and kind of fleshes it out. Even if you don't necessarily, we don't get every single thing that was in the book with them necessarily. I think you still get enough subplot and enough like text there that can be interesting and flesh out you know, things with Fade and the Baron and the Emperor. And those are all, two of those, Fade and, and the Emperor in particular, are going to be totally new characters in this movie as well. So that's going to be, I think those things can kind of spark each other. The Fenrings sort of add this, they add a dimension of political intrigue and threat uh, to the Atreides. So it it just sort of broadens and 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 complicates the the complexity of, the threat. And, you know, I think that's what, you know, Denise is so good at that. He's, he's so good at creating 
suspense that's not only right on the screen in front of you, but what could possibly happen in the background. He's, he's, he's a master at that. So as I've thought about it a little more, having the Fenrings in there, again, adds to the weight of, of the threatening dimensions for House Atreides. So I think, I think he's gonna do something really good with it. I think he is gonna stay true to the book as he's done the whole way through. I just think it will add more uh, political intensity. And then with, with Count Fenning himself, I mean, he's, um, he's seen as the um, uh, confidant, direct advisor to the emperor. So he's a very key, key character. You, you see that a lot more in some of the expanded books, but basically it's, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's killed for the emperor and, uh, you know, like uh, someone who the emperor can, can also uh, count on, although like in, in some, some ways that there has been some tension between them in the past. I can't wait to see those scenes, whoever they cast, like, especially <laughs> if we're talking about Mads Mikkelsen with Christopher Walken. I think those are going to be scenes that they're going to show, like, highlight reels, you know, being like, we know Paul, we know the Harkonnens, but let's see this new house and let's show that it's a bigger world than just these two, you know, fighting houses. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm just getting excited. It's the same feeling I had when we were talking about like the Emperor when that was still like the last casting, just the possibilities. Even Mads Mikkelsen, I think we talked about, you know, he could be Emperor. Um, I think in that tweet I had, I think it was yesterday, talking about some ideas for Fenring. I mean, you could take some of those younger guys or some other people we had talked about for Emperor and just plug them in to Fenring in some ways because they still have that danger to them or like some of that intensity that you could see and, and kind of uh, manipulation and things like that. So um, I know Michael Shannon was someone that was named and Michael, Michael Fassbender, um, I think would also be another excellent choice if they want to go a little bit younger. Another one I also really like just throwing it out there um, is, uh, and it'd be funny because 2023 would be quite a big year for him, but Killian Murphy, um, you know, coming off of Peaky Blinders and he's just finished filming uh, Oppenheimer with Christopher Nolan. He's again, someone that you could see is just like, He's, you, he's handsome enough to believe that he's with like Leia Seydoux, but you can sense that there's like a slimy, dangerous like underbelly to him. So um, there's so many, there's just so many great options. And uh, I got yeah. one. I got one. When you sure. said slimy and kind of under, <laughs> and I can like picture them being a couple, hear me out. Jude Law. Yeah, I can see that. I hadn't thought of Jude Law. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. He's got the prim and kind of proper royal kind of feel to him, but he's also, yeah, I could see him play a bit of a freak. <laughs> and he can yep. play dark in a really subtle way. Yeah. Um, the, mm. I don't know if you guys have seen, it's really old, Road to Perdition. He plays mm. uh, you know, the bad guy in that movie and does a great job. Yeah, that's a good one. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> And the, the thing about Kat Fengring, of course, because he, he has like a, a face that he puts in public, which is basically an, an act like and then like, you know, when, when he's like in, in private and in secret, like, for example, when he has a conversation with uh, with Baron, you know, like suddenly that drops and, you know, it's dead serious, like really, really menacing uh, guy. So I would, would uh, yeah, love to see who can uh, pull off that transformation on screen. <laughs> I wonder if they will do the stuttering thing. Um, I can see Denis figuring out how to pull that off, but. Mm -hmm. That, that always was something that I, I had a hard time getting used to, even just reading <laughs> the book for the first time, because it's kind of hard to follow, you know, he's stuttering yeah. the whole time, but it is, it's an act, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, that that is really inter- a good point, and that is interesting, and that's why so many people, Simon, I think, include it. They do mention Jeff Goldblum because the way he talks, he has this weird, jittery feeling to him. But like, yeah, I, I would definitely be interested, and that is something I could totally see them maintaining, or just again because we're talking about adaptation, changing things, but maintaining like the same feel. Like, I feel like there are even other ways that you could have have him put up like a very not like goofy kind of front, but like someone who just feels like maybe less competent than he actually is. Or, um, you know, it was just putting up something that is kind of a, a smoke screen. Um, yeah. And then that's an, it just, just going to be like another interesting, like character performance to see among an assortment of interesting performances. I think that we're going to be getting already with uh, the previous cast as well as the newcomers. So yeah, we, they, they have really just not missed a mark yet. I, I said, you know, the casting team, the casting director, Francine Naisler, it's just a, a dune sweep kind of uh, feel to it already. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. And that's not, I know, uh, Marcus, it's not the only uh, dune part two filming news that we got, correct? So there's actually some some really interesting news that I think came pretty much out of nowhere from the Italian news outlet, uh, GDP. Uh, so Villeneuve was uh, was spotted with uh, quite a significant uh, entourage in the Veneto region of uh, Italy. Uh, specifically the Brion tomb at uh, San Vito de Altivoli. And um, it's since been confirmed by the president of that region that some filming for Dune Part 2 will indeed uh, take place there. So we're talking about this this landmark and we'll put it on, on screen for those uh, watching on, on YouTube or otherwise include some, some links. Um, it's considered a masterpiece by the architect uh, Carlo Scarpa. And um, yeah, just looking at it, I get like some of the vibes that we've already seen in um, in Dune, Dune Part One, like uh, you know, we, we we had some of the the early concept art, for example, from Caldan. This sort of reminds me of, a bit of that, but I think there, there are a lot of things that that this could mean, and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so, uh, Johnny, what, what what was your thoughts when when hearing this uh, this news? I was stoked because I mean, the main thing I love about this is that they're going out into the world and finding new locations and new places they can actually go and and kind of inhabit and, and film. And uh, having that, I think that quality, I mean, in the first movie, for example, we, we know that they went to Norway for some parts. They also went to, uh, you know, the uh, UAE as well as Jordan for the desert. And a lot of that stuff, that was mostly, you know, uh, environments and big landscapes and things like that. I think that what's interesting about this is that they do have that actual something that was constructed and designed and they're going to go there. And it's, it, it's interesting and, and kind of amazing. And of course, all these designers and artists are influenced by one another in history and things like that. But just how much this place looks like it could exist in Doom is just really uh, intriguing to see the designs and the concepts there um, very much lining up. And I love also the, uh, you'll see it because it's, it's the sanctuary that in, in, encapsulates the tomb. Um, and there's vegetation and, and plant life and flowers. And it just really gives off... Uh, a very it's nice to see that kind of life because we did see some of that in Caladan but of course in Arrakis it's complete <laughs> other other situation and then on Getty Prime and and so uh so Secundus it's also another kind of barren situation so um I think some of that makes sense and I think and maybe we'll talk about this in a minute but where I, I think this could be or what this could be a kind of stand-in for as far as location uh you know wise and I think they mentioned in the article as well that um you know, it was Denis and Tanya Lapont, his partner, as well as um, uh, Greg Frazier, seemingly Patrice Vermet, seemingly the production designer. So it it, it looks like it's going to be legit. And of course, the president uh, confirming it a, a couple of days after, or shortly after, was kind of the uh, 
the last thing we needed. So, and ironically, this is in the Veneta region, as you said, which is the capital is Venice, which is where they had the world premiere of part one. So I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of a full circle situation. And presumably, you know, we know they're going back to Jordan uh, for filming, pr- maybe going back to probably going back to the UAE for some filming as well, potentially. Um, and who knows what other locations they may be scoping up, but it's exciting because it just means we're getting closer to filming. And I, I just really like the visuals that I'm seeing um, for this location in particular. So I love the locations, but my brain was going. I have another idea for the count. Hear me out. Taika Wakiti. If you're going with the full <laughs> stuttering kind of awkwardness. Okay, Simon. I have to put my foot down. <laughs> I'm right, maybe the, I, get, I just love the guy. I just love the guy. Okay. I'm getting off the train. Sorry. <laughs> if, we, if you did want, if you wanted another Star Wars Mandalorian person, I did also mention Pedro Pascal, I thought would be. See, I don't think of him as Star Wars, but uh, Pedro, I think is busy <laughs> with, with Star Wars. Um, but those locations look amazing. Like they look like something that would already be in the world of Dune. I'm sure they're going to dress him up. It's a nice conclusion, like keep going down that road, that golden path that they're building. And it feels like one universe. It's not like, so far what we've seen, it's not like, oh my God, this is so jarring. Is this the same franchise? Like a lot of franchise do, you know, the Marvel stuff, the Star Wars stuff, all of it. But it's great. Um, I love that Denis has a little posse following him now. And, and it's curious about the, the point of this being a sanctuary and there, there being a lot of like uh, green nature in the, in the area. So like that doesn't merely shout uh, Arrakis, but uh, yeah, let, let, let's, let's go ahead and, and think of our ideas like what, what this could be related to. Like Garen, any, any thoughts? I mean, why couldn't it be the Emperor's planet? Um, I don't remember, I'd have to go back and look if there was any description of Kaitane in the first book. Yeah, I, that was the first thought that came to mind, but I wanted to just add to what what you guys were saying, um, I, I love that the elegance of the design has a continuity throughout uh, this this first the first two parts of this film so far as I'm seeing. Um, there's nothing worse than just because my work involves uh, creative designers, tr- creative directors, and in in films it's the same. So you want to have some element of continuity. Uh, because it's you're kind of creating a brand really with the look and the feel of the sets Mm -hmm. so so these you know these images that i'm seeing here uh they they flow with that they they flow with even again it it can't be the same because it's a different planet with a different culture but there's something similar to the arakeen designs where it's these heavy 10 foot thick walls and but it, there's something elegant about that. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here in these images as well. So um, yeah, I just, I like, I love the style that Denis goes with and uh, and, and incorporates and, and is doing with this particular film. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good point mentioning like the description of Kaitane because Kaitane was definitely where my mind wandered as well, especially when I, once I started to see the greenery and uh, things like that. And I did look it up. And again, you guys definitely know better than me, but uh, in one of the prequel books, it sounds like there's a description and it says it includes uh, splendid architecture, well-watered gardens, flower barricades, always warm, the climate forever temperate. So it's, it's borderline a paradise, essentially. And I definitely get, and this may just be a small part, of course, of 
I mean, Catania is going to be a huge wondrous, and it also mentions, you know, giant skyscrapers and things like that. Um, I think you could probably compare it to, or I'm sure some people um, would think of like Coruscant from like Star Wars, for example, as like a seat of power. And so uh, this, I imagine, is going to be just a small piece and maybe they will, who knows which parts of this, of this sanctuary and this tomb they're exactly going to be using. Um, it may just be small interiors, it may be some other stuff outside, and then they may, you know, with their CG magic, throw up a giant skyline that is just incredible, or they may put up mountains or an ocean, who knows, Irulan sitting out there, like, and the flowers are, like, sitting by the lake, like, the little pond, and they're, uh, you know, having a discussion, so I think that definitely lines up, and again, it's just getting closer, and I feel like um, I'm curious to see, you know, this could be in addition to, that's what gets my mind going is, okay, if they're on Kaitane, where in the movie could this be? You know, who's going to be there? Which character are going to be involved? And so I think, again, that's just another fun thing to just kind of consider. Yeah, I can totally picture uh, Christopher walking, walking around there. Don't know what he's going to look like as the emperor, like we've been hinting at, but it does give you that royalty. Like this is a private little section that, yeah, Florence Pugh could be there also. And it could be very easily in the movie. It could just be a couple of shots of them being like, Emperor, we're hearing of this Maldit that's taken over, or Arrakis, like, what should we do on there? And Contain makes perfect sense. At first, there's a couple of shots I was like, oh, that could be the arena. But no, the more you guys mention it, the more I can see the royalty, like the glory of the empire, if that makes sense. And from what we know of the planets that are going to appear, uh, I think Kaitain makes a lot of sense. Uh, as mentioned, it, it is a, a capital world. There, there's a lot of uh, skyscrapers there, but it's it's beautiful, well well kept. You know, very different than than what, what we've seen from all the other um, planets, uh, the more barren uh, planets, except for uh, Kalan, of, of course. Uh, so that that would would make a lot of sense. One of the other things I was I was thinking of, like going to the point about Arrakis, because of course, you know, you have the the, the desert and the, the harsh environment, but the Fremen have already been working for decades on, the, you know, like creating that that greenery. We, we saw a little, little about, about that in the research station. So uh, who knows, could this be like one of the Fremen temples inside one, one of the sea edges? That, that's one of the other uh, possibilities that I'm, I'm considering that, that would also make sense. Um, like one, one of their, their beautiful hidden away uh, uh, areas. Yeah, that's a good call, Marcus, because um, Denise hinted at the fact that part two is really about uh, the Atreides and part or part one is about the Atreides. Part two is going to focus a lot more on the desert, on the Fremen. Uh, that's where the locations are going to be in many, in many cases. So, yeah, that's an interesting idea that maybe there's some things to explore in the in the sieges and some other other areas. The other thought I had is, and I think you were saying this, Marcus, is that Denis doesn't want to overwhelm the audience, even still. He still has the 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 potential to overwhelm because if he brings in like Wallach 9 and all these <laughs> planets, he's going to lose some people. So Retain mm. is is a necessary locale. It's it's central to the story. So um, mm. I think I think our our bet is a pretty good one in terms of uh Kaitain, but I like I like the siege idea too, uh, Marcus. And who knows? This could be a vision, also. Yeah, or it fine. could be a shot that's like a close up of someone. Just boom, that's it. We're done. And you know, 
you would be surprised how often that happens. Like people go scout locations and it's just for one quick little shot and you're like, huh, did all that work? Like, <laughs> remember that shot. Yeah, and just think about uh, like even just for the for the sandworm, they, they did like a whole year of research, you know, to come up with the, the final appearance that we saw in the movies that are they're clearly like sparing no expenses when it comes to, you know, how the final uh, final story is going to look on the screen. <laughs> Okay, so that's the big stories on the movie side. Um, and by the way, shout out to uh, Massimo Moro on Twitter. Like he, he messaged us also with, uh, with his news tip when it had just, uh, just come out. So thanks for that. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about a bit of expanded news uh, for today. Just uh, one, one short story. So this is the section of the Dune Talk uh, show where we cover everything happening in the universe of Dune. The Duneverse. Books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. So as uh, I alluded to earlier in the show, um, some people in, in our team have had a chance to play uh, Dune Spice Wars, the 4X real-time strategy game that's been uh, released on Steam Early Access for now almost uh, two months. And there's been some exciting news on, on that front. So on the last episode, in case you missed that, we, we talked with the, uh, the team at Shiro Games about uh, multiplayer and other stuff that was coming up. And indeed, the multiplayer update has arrived on, uh, on Steam. Uh, so, Garen, I'm going to ask you, have you had the opportunity to actually try this uh, this feature so far? Yeah, Marcus, I have not been able to. Uh, I, I saw the announcement. Um, kind of the weekends is the time when I get to play it the most. And I, I was just thinking last weekend as I was playing it, um, I've been playing the Fremen a lot because I, I actually think the Fremen have some advantages in terms of uh, which house you choose. But um, no, I, I haven't. But it's time. It's like once you play a game and you, you play against the AI enough times, you know, you realize, okay, now, now I, I don't feel like I'm really ready. I think I'm going to get my butt kicked pretty good, but I, I want to play other players. I want to play other people just because sometimes the AI is almost too precise. It's almost doesn't feel as, as real. The decisions are, are almost too, too good sometimes. And when you play another person, they have a tendency to do certain things or maybe, you know, they have preferences one way or another. So, but yeah, I'm really, I mean, I, I, I think I told everyone on, on this, uh, on this podcast that I, I was really into age of empires years ago. Uh, that was one of my favorite games. I played it a lot and, and this is really scratching that itch and it's, and it's the world of Dune, which I love so much. So, um, it, it's not exactly, you know, you're not, you're not reenacting the story or anything. It's like, you know, the, the, the Fremen are just a faction and they, they fight against whoever, you know, they want to attack. Uh, but the advantages are very well thought out. And, um, and the political side of it is something that it took me a while to catch on to, that, that you have to be uh, increasing and finding ways to generate more influence to then vote on proposals that will benefit you and maybe even uh, be a disadvantage to your opponent. Um, and I, I do love, uh, you know, the, the spies that you, that you actually plant against your opponents. So it's, you know, in the spirit of plans within plans within plans, they, they've done a great job with this game, having just uh, an exponential number of directions to go and, and it's fun and you can speed up the, the, you know, you can adjust the speed. Um, that's something that, that wasn't in the original Age of Empires, of course, a long, long time ago. So sometimes I do want to speed it up. I want to see, okay, what's going to happen here? And other times I want to slow it down so I can kind of think clearly about how I want to strategically, um, you know, uh, attack a certain uh, town or, 
or a city. And so it's, it's really, it's really fun. I mean, I love strategy. So it's, it's really been a great experience and, you know, I'm sure Marcus, uh, you're probably really good at it. So I'm going to have to play you and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So the question is, when are we having our, our Dune Talk uh, live stream? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And like uh, we, we've heard from the, from the developers that they, they really have a long-term uh, vision uh, for this game. I had, had asked them in the interview, like, you know, how they saw things in, in years and, you know, they're, they're hoping that there will be like continued updates uh, for years to come, that the community will keep growing. And now that the multiplayer is, is here, you know, that that's definitely a catalyst for, uh, for growing the community and creating more, more engagement. Uh, so I want to hear from, uh, from both of you guys, uh, so I'm starting with you. Now that, now that there is multiplayer available, are you tempted to, uh, to check this out and uh, play against us? <laughs> Uh, I'm totally down of jumping on uh, whatever platform I can play on a Mac with it uh, and play against you guys. I think it would be fun. I really enjoyed the interview that you guys did, and I think it made me go, wow, now I really want to play this game. So if you were trying to pitch people buying the game, well, guess what? You got someone that's really interested in it now. But very much, I like what Garen was saying about playing against the AI. Like, I can play so much FIFA against the AI where then I'm like, all right, well, I need to play against someone else on the PlayStation network and not just know everyone's move. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm interested. I'm willing to give it a try. I like the speed up function because I feel like sometimes with strategy games, you're spending two hours just being like, cool, that moved, awesome. No, but overall it, it sounds really cool. And just let me know when we need to set up a Twitch account or something. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it sounds so fun. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm I, not gonna play it. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like I can be swayed uh, because, like, I mean, you Johnny's know me. The cool kid. You know me. I'm. I'm the. I'm the movie guy. Maybe. Maybe more than than most people. Um, but yeah. So my my free time, I just I know. And the thing is, is I know I'd probably enjoy it, and I would just get sucked into it, and then my life would just spiral out of control. So. That's the main reason, especially with multiplayer. I think that's really cool that they are really like fleshing out, adding like a lot of different uh, features and kind of testing things and slowly kind of building up. Um, so that's always promising, and and uh, I'm very I'm very happy for Garen in particular that he is he's like having like a nostalgia like wave with this with this game and, and loving it. So hey, more Dune. Like I said, if they ever if uh, Naughty Dog or someone ever gets their hands on the the Dune rights to do like a third person action adventure or something like that i'm gonna be there like day one for the ps6 or whatever it's gonna be but uh in the meantime i'll have to i'll have to sit out or i need what i need to do is really break out my board game that i've been wanting to play for like six months now and actually get some people to sit down and play it with me that's my that's probably my first step before i go to video games uh, and, and that's a great point because there, you know, we, we have this uh, video game now, but that hasn't been the case for, for a while. But then, of course, we have all the board games, which are really critically acclaimed. Like, there's a lot of uh, great reviews, also a whole community about that. We did an uh, interview um, uh, earlier also covering the, the Dune uh, movie board game version. So it just, there, there's so many ways for, for Dune fans to enjoy uh, uh, gaming in, in addition to all the other media types that have been uh, coming out recently. So I think that's a, that's a great development. So, something for everybody, really. Hey, by the way, just, just to add on to that, it was just two weeks ago that a good friend of mine that I used to work with, uh, he called me up and wanted to get together and play a board game. And this is a friend of mine. I'm, I'm not kidding you. He has 400 board games. <laughs> Holy crap. And he, he, he 
he chose the game and it was Dune Imperium. <laughs> and uh, it was it was really good. It was in, it was intense and uh, it's very <laughs> fast paced. It's kind of a card building style uh, board game, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would I, I don't have it, but I would play it again for sure. Yeah, I picked it up at Barnes and Noble like one day, and it was on sale for like thirty bucks. I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll pick it up." Eventually, I'll find someone that <laughs> wants to play. Great. So yeah, well, we'll definitely have to organize uh, something like whether whether it's a uh, it's, it's live stream or, or not. But we'll we'll let you let you all know. So on the last uh, expanded news uh, for today, we we do want to yeah remember uh, Tim Sale. Um, so of course the, the legendary comic book uh, artist who who passed. Uh, recently and um yeah like like we we first um uh, heard about this uh in, in relation to the um, uh, dune graphic novel that actually one of his last pieces that's going to be uh, published is like for the one of the the covers that was included in the kickstarter uh Simon, i want to hear from from you because i know that you're uh, you're definitely our comic uh, guru in the team yeah it was a it was a surprise um i saw it from another comic creator that i'm good friends with on facebook that tim passed away they haven't said from what or anything, but technically his Dune Kickstarter cover is his last published work. And it's, you know, the black and whites are beautiful of it because Tim drew, but he also painted. That's what made him beautiful. And, you know, a lot of people know his work from stuff from like Dark Victory, Long Halloweens, which are crucial Batman stories that have inspired, you know, the, the current Batman movie. And he's just an amazing artist i am lucky i got to meet him a couple of times i have a quick catwoman sketch that he did i mean it's just like catwoman's eye and um he drew in my spider-man blue and hardcover and my spider-man tattoo is actually based on them so it was kind of like wow someone i i didn't really know that well personally but was such an important part of my comic book collecting and reading in the early 2000s so you know my thoughts go out to his family and you know just sad another great comic creator that we lost this year but unfortunately the kickstarter is done and you can't get that cover anymore so i was kind of angry at myself when i was like oh i wanted that tim cell cover and it's covered by boot cook another one of my favorite artists so i'm like oh, crap so if you score that kickstarter cover congratulations Hey, so that's um, that's a wrap for uh, for today. Uh, so yeah, uh, that definitely a, a lot going on on uh, on the movie front and all the expanded news. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's start counting down for the next uh, next casting announcement. Yes, Johnny Sobchak here again. You can find me on Twitter um, and Letterboxd and Instagram, all those fun places. Keep up with my movie shenanigans. Um, great to be back. Great to have some awesome stuff to discuss with everyone. And thank you for watching and supporting as always. And Stay tuned. Uh, Garen, thanks for uh, joining us today. Really, it's fun to have you guys along along for the ride with us. We, we like talking amongst each other, but we feel like you're here with us. And uh, yeah, I just, just love talking about this stuff and appreciate your, appreciate your support. And we'll see you next time. Uh, Simon Dowdy here. You can find me as Dowdy on all the socials. Uh, yeah, I hate quoting that mind from the movie, but this is really only the beginning. I am excited to see what the next year is going to give us. And I know we have some fun stuff planned here at Dune Talk. Um, also, follow us on socials. I mean, I know we always say Dune News <laughs> that, but give Dune Talk some love. 
Yeah, and this is uh, Marcus Gabriel. So uh, glad to be here with uh, with everyone else. And uh, yeah, we're gonna be continuing to uh, to come with you with uh, with new shows, with the whole crew, uh, interviews, and uh, of course, there's gonna be a lot more breaking news. Uh, so you can find me writing on dunewsnet.com and on socials at uh, dunewsnet. And as mentioned, yeah, also uh, check out our Dune Talk accounts to stay up to date when the like, latest episode uh, hits. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.